God fucking no. Are you that sure? was that was You didn't like it that much? There was something Nah, you can have it, but there was something off about that. I'm I I, I could I remembered that flavor. In my mind, in my mind, there's something on. Why do you remember it for? <laughs> from a past life. You're like, yeah, I remember somewhere. that flavor. I, I don't know where it was. Welcome to episode 500 of Woo! Game of Owns. And welcome our very special guest, and friend of the hater. show, and <laughs> vo- Mountain Dew voodoo hater, David J. Peterson, everybody. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. But let's let's start this off right. You've recorded 500 episodes of this podcast. Yeah, yeah. can the, you believe? The, the GRM had the same response. He was like, "What?" And 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 I've been like a special guest on like 499. Yeah, that's crazy. It's been a lot at this point. Remember when it was brand new? Remember the first time that I met you? You kicked open a door in the middle of a con and you yeah. said "Macho Maroon," which means "Macho Maroon." Hello, <laughs> with respect, sir. But yeah, oh, that was that was fun. I think I told you about that afterwards. But like, uh, it was a, it was a whole like set, right? And mm-hmm. so um, that they had built on stage for something else. But that was where we were having our discussion. And so I'm sitting there, you know, waiting to be introduced. And I asked this guy who was just like a, you know, just like a the behind the scenes guy. I said, "Hey, does that door work?" I'm like, "That one in the middle." He's like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, it works." I'm like. Pfft. Fuck this, dude. I'm going to go over that door. That's what's up. <laughs> no, no one expected you to come out through that door. I'm but you. when, yeah, no, I had no idea. And I had never laid eyes on you before. We were so excited that <laughs> the language creator and writer from Game of Thrones, David J. Peterson, was going to be on stage with us at a con. And hmm, this is going to be so fun. And then the way that you came out, we were already out there waiting, like the plebes that we are. And then you literally <laughs> kicked open a door, screaming Dothraki. I think your hair was pretty long at that point. It was, it was, it was pretty amazing. What does Macho Maroon mean exactly? Macho uh, Maroon. So, okay, so you have um, uh, the the root is Cham, right? Um, yeah, and Cham has to do with uh, it, it means respectful. So Atjamar, uh, Atjamar uh, is the Atjamar. Uh, excuse me, it's been a while. Atjamar is um, would be the, just a, a nominalized version of that. So it means uh, respect. And then the little M part, that's the same thing from that George R. R. Martin created. So remember, Chalaka Dothra Imranha, that's in the books. The, um, oh no, wait, no, that's a different one. That's, that's inside. Okay, it's a different one. M means with, right? Just, uh, just with. With an apostrophe after it? Yeah, because it, it, the apostrophe is just uh, indicating a lesion. So in other words, it's ma, but when it comes bef- uh, before something that begins with a vowel, you just alight it. So it just runs right in. And then, uh, 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 I'm sorry, chomar. I'm not saying, I don't know why I'm saying chomar. I was going to say chomar. it's Thank you, thank of... you, my God. <laughs> Ridiculous. So when achomar is uh, modified by the preposition ma, it's put into the ablative case. The ablative is uh, achamaroon, uh, achamaroon, and then so the whole thing is machomaroon, and so it means with respect. That's how you greet somebody in Dothraki. Cool. So you know, presumably somebody that you are greeting with respect. You know, it's like you know, 
bold of you to come on stage respecting before you right. even knew what you were getting yeah, yourself you had into. No idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I had if I had known that I would be sitting here today, I you would have left. I would have me run too, man. If I knew you would be here, I'd be gone too. <laughs> man, like, what's going on at the Hilton Anaheim <laughs> for everyone? <laughs> yeah, actually, if I can ask, if I can ask you a question, because I'm super curious. I mean, you're sitting here, and this is your we're interviewing you actually hundredth episode of this. No, sir, not until I say. Please go. Um, but it's like, all right. Like, how did this podcast start? You sat down, right, and said, we're going to do this. Like, what? Uh, was it an outgrowth of, of Harry Potter? Is that where it started? Um, Kind of. It was more of just an outgrowth of how much I love Game of Thrones. Okay. I thought the show was so good. And I had another podcast at the time that we dedicated. It was a podcast. We called it a podcast about friendship where we just hung out, a couple friends and I. And we would start out mm. every, every episode. Hannah wasn't, wasn't on that one. Yeah, understandably. Right. <laughs> Because <laughs> we're not actually friends. No. Yeah, right. It must have been so boring. <laughs> it was very boring without you, yes. And we uh, we would like start out every episode with a YouTube video and laugh with each other, and that was the whole vibe. But whenever GOT first aired, we all basically changed our lives from we think funny videos are cool to let's talk about Game of Thrones, Cool. at least for that amount of time. And we had an episode of that podcast called Game of Owns. We were like, Game of Thrones? more like Game of Owns. <laughs> and that dumb idea was eventually just turned into, well, we should just do that thing. So it's just been a process of continuing to have conversations about the TV show and all the other stuff that's come from it, books and weird situations like making friends with you and having conversations like this in hotel rooms, just kind of a chronological collection of experience, experiences based off of how good of a story and now – multiple tv shows that george george made out of his subconscious yeah do you know what's kind of cool though that we haven't talked about is that the first episode i ever recorded on the podcast at all was in this hotel not this room but it was in this hotel in Seriously? anaheim yeah it's not kind of wild and we shared a mic for that episode mm -hmm. too oh my Her god first episode oh my god yeah it's kind of it's a uh, pretty magical so holy smoke that's kind of wild which episode was that like or, or around we were just we were talking about it today hannah thinks it was like episode five i'm no. I, I told her this episode 500 i was like i'm pretty sure it was like 480 right you've only been on the show for like 20 episodes right <laughs> <laughs> if i look it up it was Either the late 100, like around 200. So it's either like 190 something or like 250 something. My goodness. A while. It's been a while. That's incredible. Yeah. So it was right here. Wow. Not mm. in the suite. We've, we've upgraded a little. A little yeah. <laughs> Since then. Man, you've got an iron here. Yeah. I know. Bottle of water that you probably shouldn't drink. No, that's <laughs> not our water. Yeah. Can't do that. But um, man, that is really, really something. Um, I'd say the same for you, man. Incredible. I mean, I remember when we first started having conversations with you, that that uh, con we were talking about when we first met, I remember um, looking across the stage at you and thinking, this is the first time we met with each other and we're having these com this conversation about, the kind of like this, but in mm -hmm. front of all of these people, but... I was just enjoying your company. I was like, this dude's cool. Like, this is someone yeah. I could be friends with. And we, but we were in the middle of doing a thing like this, and it wasn't really in our control because we were doing a presentation for people. And look how much that's grown and changed. Yeah, it's been a weird thing this whole process. Yeah, and now I've uh, I've spent time at your family's home. Yes, just north of Arkansas. Um, I've been your best man at all three of your. I've weddings. had a lot of weddings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think really the problem is that David keeps interrupting them in strange ways. <laughs> I think you're supposed to just be my best man. Instead, you made it all about you. <laughs> Why would I be there? After all, 
It's, I'm called the best man for a reason. <laughs> You're the groom. Who's the best one, though? Everyone gets so excited when we talk about you. Oh. About the job that you do on the show, there's something unique about it because no one else really does what you do. And that's what I was I was trying to get at uh, when we when I first met you at that at that convention, your life was a lot different, and yeah. the amount of projects that you've skyrocketed into and led, um, I could name some, but I feel like it'd be unfair just to like name popular stuff that you've done to justify how cool it is. But like Google David's name; you've worked on some really cool stuff. You can mention them if you want, but yep. the change between now and then has been really incredible, and. Now we're recording fresh after watching. You just watched the last half with us of uh, episode five of Hot D. Um, halfway into the successor show of GOT. And it seems like the momentum of all this isn't going to go away. It's not slowing down. We had a long gap between season seven and then we had season eight. And it was short because it was only six episodes. Right. And then we had a really long gap. And the world has changed so much in that gap, too, because we had COVID as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now uh, that show that got announced after probably like two months, wasn't it? Two months or so, two and a half months after season eight ended, GOT ended, they announced that Hot D would be coming eventually. Now we're halfway through it. And the show is actually good. Yeah. I feel like it's at least, okay, that's our opinion. We haven't talked to you about it at all. And so I'm excited to hear your overall thoughts on basically where we're at with season five. But from where Zach and I are sitting, the show is actually good and entertaining and fun to watch. Yeah. What do you uh, think? I mean, uh, so, so yeah, a couple of things. First, um, uh, one thing I did want to mention, because, yeah, of course, COVID did happen. And there's just something, I mean, it's kind of strange. It, you know, it's a little personal. Obviously, we were all, for a while, we were just stuck in our homes with COVID. And so, you know, I was doing my thing for, you know, translating for House of the Dragon. and, and that, But then I was on general distribution over there, just to the, the emails. And it was oddly comforting to me, especially being not only in the United States, but living in West Garden Grove, which is kind of a... a a bastion of uh, of conservative mania in otherwise liberal California, uh, of people just like not even like not following COVID protocols, but actively flouting them and and really like insulting people who even took it seriously. It was oddly comforting to see how seriously they were taking COVID protocols on the set for House of the Dragon because like I was just getting the the email blast, but it was like. There was always the generic stuff in there. Every every so often, there would be the like reminders. You know, please do this, 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 and this. It was it was honestly just comforting. It was nice. It was like somewhere, somewhere in the world, somebody is at least taking this seriously. Because of course, um, <laughs> with a show, it's like you can you can say whatever you want rhetoric wise, but the truth is, like an outbreak of COVID will seriously mess up yeah. a production. Mm -hmm. So it's like. Yeah, you can't just pretend it's not a real thing. You have to actually take it seriously, and they were. So that was just a bizarre little, you know, I guess, you know, anecdote from my experience working on it. But, yeah. So I know that um, I mentioned to you before, right, that just um, reading the dialogue I had to translate, I was like, this was is some of the— Ice and fire con. Yeah, this is some of the best writing that I had to work with on any show. Um, the only thing is you never know how that's going to translate mm -hmm. on screen, which was, which again was something for me that was also really, um, I mean, that took some getting used to, like, you know, getting into Hollywood for the one thing, like, even if you read a script, not 
not knowing exactly what it was going to look like on screen. Second, not knowing if it was going to be any good. And third, not knowing how people would actually respond. Mm -hmm. You know, like if this thing was actually going to be popular, even if you did think it was good. So it's always hard to judge a script just based on a script. But, I mean, I knew that the writing was really good, was really strong, um, and I really enjoyed it. And so, you know, yeah, seeing the show, we're, we're five episodes in now, and seeing that, you know, You're right. they're doing it, man. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're doing it. They're, they're hitting their beats. The, the actors are, are giving it their all. It's put together very well. Um, I think it's... Um, I think it was very – it's not just oh, – not only very useful, but it was very important that this one be good because – especially yeah. because uh, HBO took so much time off. There was so much publicity about the other prequels uh, getting canceled at various stages, including one that I worked on, right? right? That you didn't want to be canceled. Yeah. You like Blood Moon? Uh, okay, so I, I never actually saw it, so I haven't seen the pilot. I'm, stu I'm super curious. But um, you said you liked the writing on Hot D. Oh, yeah. So did you like the writing on Blood Moon, too? I didn't notice anything out of the ordinary about it. Mm. I, 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 uh, so, I mean, it's it's not like it was either like good or bad, but it it was like I was reading through stuff on House of the Dragon and like, you know, damn, this is really, okay. really good. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, like I've worked on tons of shows and it's just like, OK, yeah, this is this is it's doing its thing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's fine. Sometimes it's eh, it's a little iffy, but sometimes it's just fine or whatever. But um, I mean, I just wanted it to survive because <laughs> I created this damn language for the children of the forest. <laughs> right. That's gotten asked <laughs> twice. Um, and I also uh, created the the Andalish language you know, for it, which I thought would have been fun. That was a, a fun and unique project, just, just from the standpoint of a language creator trying to create something that if you applied the similar sound changes that happened with English would sound like English in the modern in the modern day, but would be a totally different language. That was a fun challenge. So it was like I was looking forward to that conlang wise. That go on, sorry. Well, yeah. I was just gonna say with the success of House of the Dragon, then who knows what will come next in terms of prequels, sequels, the whole thing. Cause I feel like this opens the door to then all these other projects either being created or greenlit or something. I feel like this is just a good thing in general for the GRM universe and yeah. keeping us all employed. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope that's I hope that something with Dothraki comes back oh. for for two reasons. One, uh, you can just, speak it so well. <laughs> yeah, it's so much easier. You're like, that's my it's language. so much easier. It's so much easier for me. Just just in terms of grammar, but also uh, pronunciation. Uh, uh, but also because um, I I want to convince Duolingo to let me do a Dothraki course, and so we need <laughs> we need something petition. Yeah. I wonder why they're only they're like hitting on High Valyrian, which has popped up so much in our feed lately. I bet yeah. you, you guys are getting a resurgence since Hot D came out oh, like, yeah. in a big way. Oh, but like yeah. Damon sounds so sexy. How how can I get on that level? <laughs> yeah, but that's that's actually the reason why um, you know uh, Valyrian like we're doing so much with the Duolingo right now is because there's the show where it's active you know right so it's like if we can get something like that for dothraki it'd be cool to like put together a, a one on that because that, that's a fun one that's a fun language watching the show with you tonight was a different experience mm -hmm. because whenever the, during the wedding whenever they started speaking a high valerian to each other it was just like wait a second but we all leaned in. So we, we were watching – we watched the episode in a hotel room with a bunch of friends and mm. you joined us and we 
we're all leaning in around a laptop to watch it and we're all trying to squint so we can read the translation yeah. over there. Meanwhile, you just posted up back with the <laughs> like, like, I know yeah, all these words. Yeah, <laughs> I did that. <laughs> it was a fun experience. And I said to each other, we're like, this is the most boring part of the show always when this yeah. happens. Right, <laughs> right, right. That's funny. It's funny because there was a line in there, in there about that. Uh, he, was, he referred to Liner as boring. Ooh. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, how do you say boring and high volume? Shoot, I don't remember, but like, (laughs) there that was the thing. Like, all of those, especially, especially for for Damon's lines, um, he was it was written, all of his lines were written in such a way that it's like you, you, and his English lines are written this way too, where you get the the sense of his personality in them, uh, and there's a lot of like not necessarily word play, right? But it's like. Things worded just so. Um, what do you mean by that? Okay, so I was thinking a, like a very good example in English uh-huh. was was this exchange uh, in the last episode between uh, him and uh, Gerald. Mm-hmm. Was, was it Lord Gerald? Yeah, the, the uh, head of the High Tower House. Yeah, right yeah, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know that exchange, or Gerald, if you uh, would like <laughs> that exchange between uh, those two. And I wish it, we had the lines exactly, but it's like you know. Uh, you know, just where he, he's, he was saying things like, you know, it's a tragedy, you know, what happened, or, or, or you know, these. How do you? I don't know how to, to exactly just put your finger right on it, but basically, it's like he says things in precisely the right way, so uh, it's like it comes off as both, you know, cool and the type of thing where it's like you couldn't quite say that he's being insulting mm-hmm. or being yeah. mocking. You couldn't quite say it, but you know it's there. Yeah, I think Allison was like that in this episode too. I think that was actually a really mark of this episode, the way these oh, yeah. uh, these folks that have power and are in, in some way in charge know that they can – we've talked about it before in the show. It's like we say people – it's it's really Viserys in the last episode when he was talking to Otto Hightower. It was like, speak plainly. Mm-hmm. It's like you could speak plainly, and that would fix a lot of the problems between all these people, including uh, Damon and, and Rhea Royce. Really, yeah. if you just like spoke plainly, maybe we could avoid murder or the mm-hmm. lifelong of, of rivalry that could turn into something that affects our kids eventually. But instead, since they're in this position, it was like when Laris and Allison were outside the Godswood. Laris is like, and and Allison too. They're talking, but of course. I hold the princess at the highest esteem. Mm-hmm. They're constantly playing this game where we know and you know and they know who you're talking to, how you really feel, but I'm technically saying the right thing so I can't get in trouble for what I'm saying. Except for mm-hmm. when Kristen Cole oh, speaks very plainly. Yes, <laughs> yeah, he but out of turn. <laughs> so maybe it's not good speaking plainly. No, but see that, that was a great example though because she's doing the same thing mm-hmm. when she's talking to him. But he's just not on that level. So it's like she says enough to where he's like, okay, she's got me. Therefore, I have to confess. Whereas everybody else is like, oh, she's got me. Therefore, I'm going to keep doing wordplay and not admitting it. And they just they just keep going back and forth. He wasn't about that life. No. He, he was like, I did it. I'm so bad. <laughs> <laughs> please, instead of torturing me, can you just, just kill, kill me? me? Don't geld me, please. <laughs> Honestly, fair. Oh, the girl man. I have a crush on, she rejected me. Oh, what a loser. <laughs> the secret's out, just kill me. <laughs> Poor Chris and Cole. Dude, this episode was not kind to Chris and Cole. 
Holy crap. Oh, man. Especially when you think about Kristen Cole at the tourney, riding with Rhaenyra in the forest. You're like, oh, Christina, you're so fun. You're so fun to hang out with us. And then <laughs> what happened all of a sudden? I was so excited to see how, because we've been talking for a while, how they're going to handle the Kristen Rhaenyra rift. And I was so excited to see that they chose the route of him proposing to her because it's such a bold... I need to read what exactly their conversation that they have, but it was such a bold moment for him to say, you know, run away with me and you can forsake wow, you your you took a crown. lot of notes for this episode. I did. Sharing a microphone with you is... It sucks. <laughs> I hate it. But You're like, he's I, telling I'm her... Right yeah, I have to like shove you out of the way instead of just talking over you. Um, he's telling her that... We could, you could marry for love, not for the crown. And she's like, I am the crown. I can't just walk away and leave everything. It was such a bold and great conversation between the two of them. And she says something like, You think I'm going to change or exchange my infamy for a bunch of oranges and cinnamon? <laughs> Poor Kristen. He's just like a, a boy from a back home boy who kind of rose the ranks. He's, and, hey. he's, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's sitting there like, you know, I'm just a boy standing in front of a girl asking her to love him. And she's like, that's it? We're doing business. <laughs> yeah. I'm about to be the literal queen of Westeros and you're trying to entice me. She's like, we can have it all. You just got to be my, you know, paramour. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I feel like when I was watching this, I felt like if he would have said it better, she might have went for it. Mm. But he set it up just so long and drawn out and so unsure. If he would have been like, hey, we should. But it was sunrise. Yeah. So you're supposed to It talk. was kind of romantic. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But he wasn't. That's my point. Yeah. Everything else. And that's kind of the way she is with Damon, too. That's why she said at the wedding, she was like, okay, cut through my father's men, take me to Dragonstone and marry me then. And then we'll do that. What's that, Hannah? Please lean into the mic and say your piece. You need to look at your notes. I got nothing to say. <laughs> You're like, she makes good points yeah, in a right, moment right, like that. Right. Even Lenore would have been like, that's fair. Fair is fair. And it's pretty cool, though, by the way, the, I just the setup of that scene where there's like so many tense things happening with so many people, but it's like the thing that happens is not the big thing. Mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you mean the thing that? Well, it's just like, you know, all of this tension is built up with Alicent Hightower. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's, there's Damon and Rhaenyra's uh, conversation, right? And then the thing that happens is just, oh, no, it's... Kristen Cole going. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was well, going, sorry. You're not sure for a while what the chaos potentially is. And it's yeah. shot so well. We're skipping so much of that scene is where, first of all, their dancing really was, you know, sending me. <laughs> it was hilarious. And <laughs> that's the answer I can get behind. <laughs> yeah, exa that's exactly the move. That's exactly the hands behind the back move. That's exactly the move you're that also, I was like, are you serious? There's a bird like that. I yeah. You, you know, that like one yeah, bird yeah, has yeah. a shoe bill. Yeah. <laughs> we're all doing it <laughs> they've got this dancing that is so strange but very specific and we're just cutting to everybody's faces and Viserys is unwell and Kristen Cole is unwell and Joffrey is unwell and every single person in the whole audience we're hearing whispering from what people just are saying watching. it is such an amazing spectacle and then something goes down and we have no idea what's going on it's chaos and you know we can't we can't locate our characters in the midst of everything. So what happened was, you guys think that Kristen was 
upset about what was going on with Rhaenyra and Damon. No. And he was trying to get to it? No, 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 no. What do you think happened? No, it was just uh, he felt like he had been found out by uh, this, by Joffrey. Yeah. And, you know, uh, just as when Allison Hightower, you know, confronts him and he responds stupidly, Mm -hmm. he did the same thing when he was found out by Joffrey and responded stupidly. But at first he didn't respond like that. He just heard what he said and let it go. Well, why, why did he choose to act in that moment? Did he see him again and remember it or something? Because he it started getting worked up in his oh, mind. Oh, it was warming in his little head. Yeah, he was just mulling So he just it. fought him in the middle of the thing? Yeah, it's just a, completely stupid. I don't understand how that could even happen. And where, where do we go the next episode with Kristen Cole if he literally lost shit on the consort of the guy that's marrying the princess right now? Well, that's the thing is because so far he's been very for lack of a better word, plain. He's just an easy guy to project our own fantasies onto. He's got no true personality. And then tonight's episode, he really showed his yes, true colors, exactly, wouldn't yeah. you say? <laughs> I think so, yeah. I think he showed his true colors. And uh, I think that everyone that really was a fan of him, and those guys, because there's like 29, 30 million people watching every episode now, mm. I think that there's a lot of people that probably think that Kristen Cole is a pretty cool guy and that that was the guy that they liked in this show. And how do you deal with a character making the pulp of the face of someone that didn't attack them in the middle of a... That's... It's probably the most awkward... One of the more awkward scenes. I don't want to say most. There's been a lot of GOT, but it's got to be one of the more awkward scenes in Game of Thrones ever. And it was just in front of everyone. Mm. I don't even understand it. Like, how do you, how did they write that and go, people are going to make... They're going to think this totally makes sense. I do think it makes sense, but it's so random that it turned out like that. It was mm. so violent, but also so random. <laughs> I think that we missed... Kristen's, I almost called him Christine. Kristen's. I think that we didn't see portrayed well enough, potentially, how upset he was, his face. I think that we got a little bit of his sulking, but I don't think we got enough of his anger or brooding or the fact that he's literally lost everything. I mean, he tried to commit suicide mm-hmm. at some point in this episode. After he did that. But yeah. I think he may have done that before. He would have potentially done that before. I think that that was kind of just the path he was headed down based off of yeah, the I combo. Mean, he actually cared about his purity. It seemed like he did as in some way. I mean, that's he, he said as much ear, earlier in the episode. Yeah. Um, he was like, it's all I have. So you believed him. Uh, I do. It's like I have to marry you so I can make this right because my purity is gone. Yeah, like I mean, it's such a it, it, it's such a weenie little thing to say. You have to believe him. Why is it weenie though? Because if someone cool said that, then we would go, "Oh, he's so brave." <laughs> Damon said it. We're like, right, Ugh. right. You'd be yeah. like, "Wow, he really believes in his oaths." I don't know. Why? We gotta talk about him though. Yeah, but here's the thing: like, is Damon? Do you really see him saying, "Well, I've been sullied now"? No, no. <laughs> No, it's a different. It's a whole different dialect. He's speaking in a different tongue at that point. <laughs> but yeah, no, Chris, Chris. It's just in the episode when they were traveling in the forest, mm. he was talking about how his being made a member of the King's Guard was the highest station that a coal in the Marches of Dorne, serving under House Dondarrion, the highest at a coal, someone from his namesake, and all of the years between uh, the conquest or even back to the old kings that ran. Uh, Westeros, that's the highest they'd ever risen. And so there's a bit of us as fans of what of uh, A Song of Ice and Fire and these uh, Westerosi TV shows that knows, oh, that's cool. And 
there's a chance there's a thread of some kind of romance in him where that's a real thing. And uh, it might be real enough to make him literally be the guy that's stressed out about it in this episode, like about his oaths and stuff. But we so openly see it as a weenie. He's a little weenie for doing it. <laughs> why is that? Is it because Rhaenyra's hot and he should just shut up? Like, what? Why? I think that's part of what they're trying to do in Hot D is make us examine how we feel because this situation's been projected. You know what I'm saying? It's so perfect. Even with Rainey's, all these characters are so perfectly put in a position as like a mirror onto how we feel about certain people because I feel like if someone else was in Kristen Cole's position, we'd have a little bit more, um, what's the word, uh, sympathy for him. But we're all kind of just mad at him. Well, <clears throat> if I may refer to uh, Castle Black, uh, they are also supposed to be completely celibate. However, uh, it's known that some of them... Molestown. What? They go to Molestown. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, you know, they, they do their thing, right? Um, and uh, at some point, I think it's John and, uh, and Amon are having a conversation where it was either him or somebody else where, uh, you know, it's revealed that it's like, it, you know, oh, well, you know, okay, yeah, we're supposed to be celibate, but, you know, it, it happens. It's not the end of the world. And so it's like there is a sense that we – this whole thing about, you know, the purity is – we as the reader, I think, are supposed to recognize – this is a bizarre institution and um, and really believing in the institution, which we see as a bit ridiculous, is silly. Then That's why, do, why. Why do we all love Barristan Selmy so much then? Because he believes in it. Because he's old and powerful. But I think we, we were talking about on the last episode so much about everything that the Targaryens are doing is about upholding and believing in the system. And I felt like something I loved so much about this episode was the pageantry of it. And, you know, when the, first of all, cute. Keep cutting to the feathers because there's, (laughs) David does the dance move. (laughs) (laughs) So cute. I have a new idea for a headboard. Um, But when like the Valerians show up and they're marching in step and there's just so much pageantry. And I think that the same is going to apply, like you were saying, to something like the Kingsguard or the wall is just this upholding the tradition and the we're going to go through the motions because it makes us all feel cooler and better and more special if there's something mystical bigger and bigger than us surrounding what we're doing. Like and what Rhaenyra said about her exactly, I was saying that that's crowd what and the Iron Throne looms larger than my whole family. And Rhaenyra also was having that question or that question, that conversation with Lanor as well on the beach when they were like, "We're well, doing this yeah, union. That's when had it, yeah. It's a political thing, yeah. and let's just get it done and, and get to work together, basically. And so let's uphold the system." Well, I think that okay, but there's I think there's two different. Uh, takes on this. So there's Rhaenyra saying that, which I think we're supposed to see as, all right, good. You believe in the system, but you recognize that it is imperfect, so you're going to do what you can to make your peace with it. But what we see with uh, with Kristen is that um, I believe in the system, and therefore it has to be completely perfect, or otherwise it's a disaster. And that's what we that's what we do. The don't. system is all he has, yeah. basically. And, and it's like he can't... Uh, he can't just be cool with it. You know what I mean? That was the thing. He could have just been cool with it. And he and he was just like, no, it has to be perfect. I've been sullied. And yeah. I think that's why I believe that we as the audience are supposed to be or expected to be less sympathetic. 
just because he is everybody else recognizes that this is their unrealistic expectations that the system that they've created have uh, have put on them uh, but he is pretending like no it is realistic but pretending far enough to the point where he snaps kills i mean he doesn't kill him because of what it's kind of a byproduct of all the things that he's feeling but that's that's quite the belief to then be drawn to that action yeah, in the midst of everything and so that's why that's why he that's why he gets he gets the l for loser <laughs> what a deep deep fall from hottie that we all like with the body hottie he's incredibly hot let's acknowledge yeah. that but but to, to turn into you know that that just the way that he was looking when he was punching him in the face. I don't I don't know. I don't I don't think he's hot anymore. No, and you feel and you feel for him. And it's interesting and cool and exciting that Allison also went through that same. Both of them completely switched. I felt like that conversation between the two of them in Allison's chambers or wherever they were for that was for the two of them the moment where everything flipped without even knowing between the two of them that they were about to become allies but her behavior completely different after that his behavior completely different after that even though they were both going after two completely almost opposite things in that moment but i am looking forward to whatever conversation then brings them closer together after the fact Mm. potentially so you're you're excited about this new um this new uh not dynamic duo what's 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 it what what do you what's that word for baddies <laughs> i don't know you tell us <laughs> yeah give us another word for baddies there genius <laughs> oh, okay so you're 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 uh you're looking forward oh, to this that team up yeah. i am oh, so this, uh, this two-face and the riddler did you read fire and blood i've read some of it Be- bits and pieces and parts of it okay. yes, i'm I just have. curious yeah if because, I mean, it's not like it's required reading for you to do your job on the show either, you no, know? but like I, I read the part of it, but then I, I got confused about what was what. Um, and, then I, and then I moved and now I don't know where any of the books are. Sorry. I'll give you a PDF if you want it. Thank Sorry, you. George. <laughs> I mean, we, we're trying to keep the show spoiler free. I'm just curious about. Yeah, for the season, yeah. As yeah. best we can, curious about kind of where – because – we talk about it all the time, having both read the story and then we're just getting the opportunity to have the dis- discussions about it with people who don't necessarily. Although, I mean, we can see where everything is going. I don't think it's really that complicated at all. But you, you think you know curious. where it's going? I have not read it. Oh, yeah. But you, you know the script, though. You've read enough of the script. It leads to that, you know, it leads to that, uh, that, uh, oh, Rose Lee, too. Gunfight between the dragons. Oh, God. Can you imagine the size of guns those dragons would wield? Say the Valyrian word for draw. (laughs) (laughs) What's the Valyrian word for pull? (laughs) Oh, Hakogon. Hakogon, excuse me. Mm. Yeah. So when you were reading these, um, I know you said for a while. I feel like now that we're halfway through the season, we can kind of like shake a little bit of details out of you. Yeah. What about it made you think it was so good? Because it seems like you had been like paid off to say, oh my God, this is so good. I know what you're translating. I know the kind of limitations they give you, but also like you're you're not a bullshitter. You're pretty pretty straightforward about stuff, but you were adamant on multiple occasions about how the the impression that this made on you. And, And you've worked on stuff like Dude. 
You worked on Jodorowsky's Dune. <laughs> I mean, you've seen <laughs> you've seen brilliance. I, I've seen that. I've seen that. You've seen things no one's ever seen before. Um, yeah. What really stuck out to you? Here, hold on a sec. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually pull up. Um, David's billion dollar iCloud with all the secrets of Hollywood <laughs> inside of it. That's the true. ending of Dune 2 in his phone right now. Thank goodness I just changed my password today. <laughs> okay, hold on a sec. Let me pull up some of these lines here. Here's just the first episode. So this is what you got. You got it chronological? They're like they yeah, send you ep one? No, like I'm just pulling this up. These are you know, Diamond's lines. So it's like, what do you think you're doing, Uncle? Sitting. This could well be my chair one day. It's <laughs> great. Not if you're executed for sedition. It's like you haven't come to a court in an age. Court is so dreadfully boring. Then why come back at all? I heard your father was hosting a tournament in my honor. The tournament is for his heir. Just as I said. I mean, <laughs> this, I, I, I love these back and forths um, that are just uh, between the two of them. They're They're so nice. Like... Uh, I, this you've shared your cradle with a dragon when you were born. I want the same for my child. It's, it's wonderful. Um, oh gosh! And this. So hold on. Was this? No, that was episode four. I want to jump to tonight's episode. Yeah, because I was. I was like, we need to read. Yeah. I need line for line. Yeah. I love that. Before we get too far, though, I love that episode one conversation. Real quick, I know you got your phone out. What did you think about uh, Matt Smith's performance of those lines for episode one? Yeah, laying back in the chair and having that conversation. Oh, that was that was that was a nice scene. That, I love that, was that a good, scene. Dude. That was a good introduction too. Um, just so I, casual. I mean, an introduction like for for my stuff. Obviously, not for him. We've seen him before, but like, um, and it's also one of those things. It's just a nice callback because, of course, you know, people who've seen Game of Thrones mm -hmm. remember. Uh, Jamie Go Lannister, Jamie, uh, Jamie Lannister on the throne, mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. and so it's like you know you, you, mm -hmm. you could, it's like it sets him up very well. Mm -hmm. All right, but yeah, hold on a sec. No, I remember that. Oh God, was I think it was episode four? Did I have to translate? Uh, I th God, where was it? Would that it were? <laughs> Can you imagine? Translating would that it were into <laughs> any language <laughs> to high <Valyrian. laughs> I don't even know how to say that in Spanish. Right. Like <laughs> would that it were. It's like one word that means that. What did I what did I settle on? Uh, so that would be Hegnir like that. Um would be the uh, it is, but in the subjunctive, uh Jailan. So um, would that it were, uh, I wish it it may be like that. It's kind of a way that 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 yeah. God, that's a tough one. I, I it makes sense in High Valyrian. I can't, uh, but Hegni Rigsjodjailan. It makes sense. Uh, I'll just <laughs> put it that way. But um, yeah. So this this was great. This little exchange in episode five. So. You know, I was not aware that what I wanted mattered to you. This is not for you. Lainor is a good man and a fine knight. He will bore you senseless. I love that. Um, and then, so, uh, Abi Edru. Oh, oh, that was good. I'm sorry. <laughs> I knew I had something good for that. So, no, it's not like a verb for means to bore. So, he will bore you senseless. Uh, what I have here is Abi Edru Liot Ilzilza. And what that means is he will he will transport you to dreamland. 
Ooh. Yeah. Um, and that means bore you senseless? Yes, essentially. And, and so I created this, you know, Ed Rulion, which is kind of like the, it's like, like a, a place of sleep, uh, basically. Mm. Uh, and so that was that was how I did that for he will bore you senseless. I thought it it really I thought it really worked. Um, and then um, oh yeah this 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 de emphatic uh, and also the English worked just the way High Valerian would. Marriage is only a political arrangement, comma I hear that's exactly how you would say it in High Valerian. I just ah loved that. <laughs> <laughs> the satisfaction on your face though. Uh, mm, You've completely good. stopped podcasting with us and you're just going through your iCloud of like, ah, oh, those are good those are good moments. <laughs> it's like me looking through my camera roll. Right, exactly. like looking at pics. Yeah. <laughs> That's good stuff, man. I like it. Oh yeah. So tell us about episode six. The <laughs> and seven. When you I got, have a question. Some of those lines. Right. Yeah. I have a question though. Yeah. Um about timeline. Yeah. Had the casting been announced when you were translating these things? No. So you didn't have any Ooh. and I don't know if that would if that affects your work at all, but having the actor or character in mind very plainly when you're translating something, if that would maybe affect your work or not. Every so often, like sometimes I will hear about it and sometimes I will think about it. But um, usually I'm working before things have been cast. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, in successive seasons, like you suddenly, you know, you know, the, the actor now. Right. So how that could potentially change or, but I mean, by that point you've already established, like we're kind of talking about the way Damon speaks. We've already established his personality and his yeah. whole thing. And so yeah. it's not like you're going to necessarily change course halfway right. through just and, because. You and know you know, him. it's, it, it's, it's working too. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, so that's good. But um, I don't know, like, uh, but just to, to, to kind of circle back to the main point there, it's hard to kind of, put into words but like usually the least interesting writing is given to me to translate and I think it's because whether it's consciously or unconsciously the writer knows like well they're just going to say this in another language so (laughs) I I can just kind of phone this in or just like say it literally or or also like and, and this is generally true of all the stuff that that we work on as language creators most of the time we are translating commands. Mm. Like that's like 90% of what we translate is commands, background dialogue, things like that. Um, very, um, very prosaic things. Um, usually not very uh, interesting things. Um, and so it's, it's cool when not only that we get to translate interesting stuff, but when it's like, Clearly, there's been care put into the writing. Uh, it's just not something that we usually get. Mm-hmm. It, we usually we get it's just like they have to say this and they're going to say it in another language. Right. So just write it down. Well, and also, and this is a question for both of you, the fact that we're getting all of this dialogue between Rhaenyra and Damon specifically so far throughout the season. I mean, we haven't seen anybody else very much I don't speak. Think so. Yeah, Viserys, Viserys speaks briefly, it, and then we saw um, the uh, in the first episode there are a couple of background things with the dragon tamers. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. the, yeah. and then the yeah. dragon keeper elder uh, comes in. He has the the discussion with Viserys uh, in episode three, right? Early on, but yeah. for the majority of the time, <clears throat> yeah, majority of the time it's them too. Yeah. It's the two of them, and so also wondering the significance of. 
the fact that they're the ones communicating that way when, you know, Rhaenyra doesn't talk to her father like that. That'd be so cool if she did, though. But it's a little bit more. They're always flirting when they're talking. They talk to each other like that, really, quite frankly. But it would be kind of neat if her and her dad talked that way, too. I just want to clarify something. When you said they're always flirting when they're talking, you meant Rhaenyra and Damon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not her and her dad. <laughs> okay, <sorry. laughs> yeah, the incest really goes in a weird way in, in yeah. House of the Dragon. No, yeah. Rhaenyra and Damon. Well, I, I had a thought about that, which is um, often when it, it, it reminds me of a situation in the real world where, um, I mean, it's a little bit different given the timelines, but um, in the real world, you will often have a situation where the the first uh, the first generation comes from uh, one country to like the United States, and they speak their home language very very well, and then learn English in a way. Then the their children grow up bilingual in English and the home language, and often what will happen is that child, especially the oldest child, will end up having to serve as a de facto translator. Hmm. For their parents, um, often in like um, in situations that they shouldn't really be in, like you know discussions with like you know a doctor, with a bank, with like a mechanic, and things like that. And you're talking about like younger kids, like ten and eleven. They they might even be talking about things they don't understand. Um, you know, not necessarily like bad things, but it's just like you know talking to a car mechanic who's trying to you know, like and the the parent is trying to haggle, and this guy is trying to like you know get as much money out of you as possible, and like you're you're eleven, you know, no, you don't even know what a carburetor is, <laughs> you have no idea what the word is in English, you have no idea how to translate it into your home language, right? And so um, what often happens is they grow up fully bilingual, but kind of resentful about their home language. Um, and you'll often find that they will speak their home language only reluctantly, only if they have to, um, and will raise their children to kind of like really focus on English. And then that generation feels the loss. And feels like, you know, why why wasn't I raised speaking this language? It's really cool. This is where my family comes from, so on. And so I kind of got that vibe where it's like, you know, Viserys is this guy where he, he can speak Valerian. He's fluent. But he, he won't. He, he doesn't if he, if he doesn't have to. Um, whereas both Rhaenyra and Diamond, they think it's cool, you know. And, you know, Damon's the younger brother, right? And so, like, they appreciate their culture, their their heritage, and so they use the language and they use it with each other as a as kind of a, a bonding uh, type of thing. So, it, I don't know, the, the situation was familiar to me when, when I was watching it. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So how's the rest of the season? Do you like it? Oh man, it's a steep drop off. You just stop watching. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I didn't see like them, like you know, uh, Kristen actually like killing Rhaenyra and claiming the throne, right? And then it's like King the, Kristen, and then the dragons start talking to each other in Valyria. Oh, thank God, thank God, yeah. Sean Connery. I bet that Morgan was Freeman. fun to write. Yikes. Can you imagine Sean Connery and Morgan Freeman talking high Valyrian to each other <laughs> as dragons? <laughs> 
Zal Drijers boos daar niet zoals de oor. Ads, ads, readers, ads, readers. Kom, ads, Oh man, so. Oh gosh, you remember Reign of Dragons? Oh yeah, for, of course, Matthew McConaughey. You remember Dragonheart? Yeah, Dragonheart. Dragonheart was good. Yeah, so Dragonheart, that was the one with Sean Connery. Yeah, yeah exactly, that's and why then, I thought of and it, And yeah. then Reign of Dragons was, okay, so yeah. We're yeah, just there's a lot of little dragon movies from back <laughs> at that time. Things have really changed. The dragons were cool in this episode. How much did you like the Drehar stuff from, uh, come out, Drehar, come out and face me. He's like, I'm going to feed you your crab. I can't stop then loving that scene. we got to see scene. the crab feeder's mask yeah, in no. Corliss's. I was like, I miss you. <laughs> that was so cool. Yeah, that, seeing Driftmark was cool. Yeah. Um, that was, uh, that was by the way, that was a, a lost opportunity. I tried to uh, convince them to let me do uh, a Volantine language because they wanted Ooh. that for the... They, I was thinking that tonight, actually, before you got here. I was thinking how that would have been a really cool opportunity to get some more of that because whenever they do, especially now in Hot D, especially, um, whenever they do go into High Valerian, it really... It sucked me in, not just because the screen was small and I needed to read the subtitles tonight, <laughs> but it's just the Millie Alcock and uh, Damon or and uh, Matt Smith. It's just their their little inflections on it. I, I don't know how you would rate it. You were showing us a rating system earlier of uh, from GOT of the actors <laughs> speaking a certain quality of getting things right. Where it was like green and yellow, and you had the subtitles. I don't know what their rating would be. But it's so satisfying the way that they're doing it, and it really pulls me in. And I feel like a little bit of the, uh, like you said, some more volunteer dialect would have been awesome in those crab fears. Even yeah. just like talking to his guys. I like the silent thing that they did as well, but just a few of it I think would have sucked people in with some texture. That was uh, You can blame me for that. That was my fault because like – I thought it might have been. Yeah, Like you just wrote like, badly for that or something no, they canceled it. it. <laughs> well, it was like they were like, you know, can he can he speak some volunteer? I'm like, well, I haven't created the language, so like you need to pay me to create it. And they're <laughs> like, like – I mean, but it was just for like a, a small little bit, right? And so like, like it wasn't worth house. it. And so it's like suddenly he became like, you know, this – silent bad guy it's my fault so but. even your favorite creative projects are really just it all comes down to budget yeah but I, the, you know it's kind of like um it's a fun thing though with uh, a universe like game of thrones because like every single time somebody gives the green light to one of these languages it's like okay now it exists mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so it can be used for future projects and you know just keep building so you know one of these days Uh, I still think that there's uh, a very fruitful potential show that's just like cool stuff happening in the free cities. Um, And it's like, so say like maybe one of these days they're doing a, they do an entire show set in Volantis, right? And maybe they decide like, oh, they're going to be speaking English, you know, instead of volunteering there, but they're going to have a lot of interactions with uh, people from Pentos and we want them to have a language. So it's like, all right, we're going to create a language for for Pentos. We didn't get one for volunteering, but it's like, okay, that's one more, right? That's just one more language that's out there and done. You know, little by little over the next 75 years, we'll (laughs) get that whole thing fleshed out and finally i can get my dream of uh of, of having uh keep going the 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 lazarine on screen oh yeah oh geez uh, or as i thought I, you were gonna say like old geese no i was gonna as uh, as i call it swedish dothraki oh um, <laughs> yeah what about ibanese you ever thought about even the ibanese dialect uh the whalers 
up north, up north of Essos. Oh. They got that island there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. El yeah. Ib. No, the island of Ib. No, I haven't done that one. That would make me so did happy I, if I, I got a little bit of that. I forget. Did I tell you about the the class that I taught uh, before Con of Thrones? Where at, at I left. Yeah, I left from the class to go directly there. Um, so it was called. Um, it was called uh, Game of Thrones and the Art of Language Invention, Invention or something like that. Um, but it was like I was. I wanted to teach a class on how to create a language. And uh, the linguistics department at Berkeley are like, okay, but we want Game of Thrones in the title somewhere just to like get a draw. I'm like, all right, fine. And so <laughs> this then, is going to go viral. And, it, and, it, and, you know, I used that as a way to build the class because it was like, all right, you know, I'm teaching you how to create a language, but now we're actually going to couch it in something. And so what I said was like, here is uh, the map, basically the big map uh, of A Song of Ice and Fire. All right, and like here are the languages that are like off limits. So it's like you're you're not going to create something that's related to High Valyrian because that's already created because you're going to create your own thing. But it's like there's been nothing said about all of these places. That was your class. Yeah, and so Dude, I was that like, is so freaking cool. So man. I said, choose a place. Wow. And create that language. Dude, I would have lost my shit if I went to a class like that. That is so neat. What was the weirdest one that someone picked? Like Ulthos um, or something. Somebody, somebody definitely wanted to do Ulthos. Was it Ulthos? Ulthosi is yeah. what you would call it. Like, well, I think I maybe steered them clear of that. There were two <laughs> that did uh, Jogos Nahai, which was cool. Mm. One of those was, I think, the best um, project. Lots of people really liked um, the Summer Isles. Mm. Mm-hmm. So there were like three, I think, Summer Isles languages. Have you ever thought about that too? Like what they're sounds would be like based I, on the descriptions from George? I, I did at one point, but then I, I forgot about it. Um, so I'm sure I would remember if I looked up the descriptions again, which is, again, where I would start. That's always where where I start. Um, there is a Shai in uh, Game yeah, of Thrones, yeah. right? So they couldn't have touched yeah. that one too. No, you know what? I gave him leave. I said, I said, go ahead. Because like even, even now, if I were to get the green light for a shy, I don't know if I would go back to what I did. And I think I mentioned that, you know. Like in an pres- old episode? Yeah. In that, no, in that presentation I did oh. with Con of Thrones, that it's like, uh, I don't. The dead language is one. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think that one was. I don't think it was necessarily canonical enough that I would hold myself to it. Mm. You know, I, I could see that as a blank slate. We were talking about successor shows then because that was it was called spinoffs and dead languages. That was the the brain that's I, right the brainy idea for that panel, and it was like whoa five years ago. And we're just five episodes in the hot D right now. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Yeah. So you were talking about before how I mean you talked about before on this podcast before, and you're, you're you haven't hidden this. Jacob Anderson was the guy who played Grey Worm was the goat of doing the dialects for the way that you wrote it and doing it accurately. Still is. Who's the Jacob? And you played us, like I would show uh, like a Brett Favre clip <laughs> of a really good throw. Like, look, there's two seconds left. And he threw it 49 yards. That's how you, you showed us Grey Worm talking <laughs> with Daenerys earlier. You're like, this makes me feel, I'm not going to say what you said anyway. <laughs> I'm going to leave that out. I'm going to leave that out. Uh who who's the Jacob Anderson? You you say that right? Instead of saying something bad, say something good. Who's who's the new Jacob Anderson so far on Hot D for you? Oh brother, I don't know. Uh, that's that, <laughs> there's not a lot of options. It remains to be seen. Or yeah. Really? No, they gotta they they gotta show me something. Um, uh, I think that um, I think that Millie Alcock is closer to um, to uh, to the sense of it. Like I. 
I hear, honestly, I hear um, echoes of Amelia Clark in her, uh, in her, in her High Valerian, which is nice, I think. Um, both uh, in terms of that, you know, Amelia Clark had a very good sound, but also it's, um, it feels familiar. And that's what mm-hmm. I, that's what I really like because it's like, you know, this is the same language. This is what was in Game of Thrones. And so it was nice hearing her and hearing that echo so that you can get the familiarity because that's what you should get. It should be like, you know, this is a new show, a bunch of new actors, but it's the same language. You should be able to hear that and feel that, mm-hmm. you know? I feel like that especially came out when she said Dracarys for the first time, when we heard Millie Alcock say that at the funeral, when we got that kind of through line of, she had her own pronunciation because, you know, it was a different, she had her own little accent to it. Yeah, you know, as a whole, but I felt like that was such a cool thing as a person watching the show to see that, like you said, this is the same language, the same people, the same family, really. And so that through line is pretty cool to see. Yeah. It's kind of like we all get to share in that feeling of uh, the relief mm-hmm. that you feel whenever maybe you're in like a foreign land and you meet someone that speaks your language. Mm-hmm. We all get to kind of feel that because these movies or TV shows have given enough care to that kind of specific texture that, and especially when it's fake or made up, we all get to be that person when it's a callback like that. We all get to feel connected to something we all saw all those years ago, especially when they say it in the exact same way. So that's lucky. So did you do any training with her on that or was it just, that was just, did you record examples? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, same thing, man. I always do that for every show. Yeah. Right. Well, luckily it worked out. Yeah. And luckily it's been working out so far. So what do you think about the show so far? Honestly, I mean, I know that you you enjoy working on it, but uh, as a, I know we watched it tonight and it was entertaining, but when you're seeing it at home, I'd asked you if you'd seen it yet. You're like, yep. And I know that, of course, you would have watched it because you worked on it. But yeah, are yeah. you are you liking this? Like you like Game of Thrones? Like do you like Hot D? Oh, yeah. I'm vibing on it. I, I really look forward to just seeing uh, not only what happens, but but seeing the actors' performances. I really have enjoyed, um, and I don't remember the name of the actor. Who plays the series? Mm-hmm. Patty Considine. Considine. Uh, yeah. Just incredible, mm-hmm. dude! Um, so good, and so he, he the will fucking politics. He will, he will be missed, um, but you know that was. What do you mean he will be missed, David? I don't mean. Anything. What do you know about? I don't know anything. About <laughs> I mean, this episode, uh, he was unwell. I just a just a flesh Before wound. That. I yeah. thought he's gonna be. Yeah, fine. no, he'll be fine. We wanted to ask David a few questions that you sent to us on social media, so I'm gonna open my phone right now. And ask a few of these questions and see if David will humor us with an answer to some of these. Sound good, Anna? Cool. It's cool that you're pretending that you haven't been on your phone the whole time. Well, I've been trying to find these. (laughs) I'm trying to locate them. Um, Here's a question from Straight Savage Cole. What has been the most satisfying scene to translate High Valerian for so far through episode five? And he's asked how excited were you to write the High Valerian map for Damon Damon. Uh-huh. Left for near. Did you write that? Yeah. No way. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Like, or I mean, like I didn't write it by hand, but like, <laughs> you no, you drew that. Drew <laughs> that's your prop. <laughs> Come on, if I would have drawn that, it would have been so much better. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, uh, but um, the question. But yeah, like through episode five, because of course the first thing I was thinking of was episode seven. But, oh, of course, um, yeah. And then episode nine. But um, <clears throat> have you thought about ten lately? What about it? episode ten? Have you thought about that lately? So satisfying. 
I haven't. Uh, <laughs> Look at him leaving me in the dust. I like just, uh, <laughs> I know nothing about it. No, anyway, um, but um, uh, let's see. So the most most fun, I think, was, um, was I think, <laughs> episode four. God, that would that it were. Would that it were, you know, um, you know, actually, uh, my, my conlingy partner, Jesse Sams, she actually helped me with one of those lines, um, where we, in, from episode four, where we had to translate bronze bitch. Cause, um, I just, I just wasn't feeling creating a gendered insult. So we, we came around and did something else for it. It's based off of the word for seagull. Um, <laughs> it, it was, I don't it, like those either. It was her idea and it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So that's what's in there. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it alliterates. Uh, and it, we got to use my favorite word, which is bronze. <laughs> bronze is your favorite word? I loved it. It was a stupid word. Like, so there was a, you know, braidion is copper, and then braidasmion is, is, uh, is bronze. Uh, and it's just a lovely word. I'm like, and it's like one of those words, just like, oh, I'm just creating this for me. I'll, I'll use it in D&D maybe. I'm never going to use it on a show. And there they just ask for it. They drop it in my lap. Love that. So, yeah, that exchange, uh, I think, was my favorite through episode five. And um, I, uh, I, the, I mean, we haven't talked about it at all, but getting to create the writing system for High Valyrian is literally one of the highlights of my conlanging career. Uh, and I've done, I did so much for the show. It, it really is in the background in this. You don't see it a lot. That was one of the few places where it really is in the foreground. And so that was cool uh, that, you know, it was able to, that you're able to see it and everybody's able to recognize it. But no, like doing the writing system, being able to create it at all, and that they asked me to do so much in it in the season was, I mean, I've been waiting for this since 2009 <laughs> because like that, I think that was when I first started thinking about what a what you know first what the high valerian language might look like and if it had a writing system what that might work like whoa that was when i was working on dothraki that was when i was applying and you thought about high valerian oh yeah what what attracted you to it versus dothraki as far as the writing system uh well the fact that it had one dothraki of course was not supposed to have one which you know makes sense in world uh that it would just be a spoken language it wouldn't be written absolutely makes sense um, but, you know, writing systems are my favorite thing to do for, um, for in conlanging. And um, in that one, I was like, I feel like I know what the system should be, which was the system that I described, uh, you know, at Ice Fire Con, which is, you know, essentially it's like Egyptian, but if it looked, if it looked Roman, you know, um, <laughs> And I was really pleased with the way it came out and just that I got to use it. And yeah, so that was, that was, that was tops, man. Can you tell everyone, just in case they don't know, what conlanging is whenever you say it? Like, yeah, what? sorry about that. Conlang stands for constructed language, and it's when you actively create a language. It's, it's our word for it. It's in the Oxford English Dictionary. <laughs> well, it must be true, though. Yeah. <laughs> and so the writing system part attracts you. You're more attracted to that than the actual spoken word part of it? I th- mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, the, the conlanging part is a lot of fun, but it's just like, you know, it's visual stuff, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, started, I started my life wanting to be an artist, wanting to be an animator at Disney, you know. <laughs> right across that, the street. <laughs> yep, that was my dream. 
Uh, and so, the, you know, visual art was all I did up until 16 years old. And, like, the only thing about language that interested me up until I was 17 was Egyptian hieroglyphs when, we, when I was no introduced way. to that in like sixth Like the early grade. emojis. Yeah, it was incredible. So are you an emoji fan? I wasn't when they came out. I didn't get it. But now but I no. see how Unicode is working with it. It's like I get it. But still, it's... It's problematic. I could talk for hours about that. That was much more serious of a response than I expected from you. <laughs> from your past responses. I've, I've given it You're a like, lot I've of thought. thought about this. Oh, yeah, I've given you it can't, a lot of you can't. You don't say the word Unicode unless you've thought about it before. Oh, yeah. Mm. Anyway. Someone someone asked us about that, um, about mm. the similarities between, you were talking about Egypt, Egyptian characters versus uh, High Valyrian characters. Um, mm. So it's really interesting that you brought that up. So the character part of it is the artistic aspect mixed in with the logical building blocks that all divide and multiply yep. with each other. It's incredible. Hannah, you got something? Yeah, I'll ask this question from Yakar on Twitter who says how many were how many glyphs were created for House of the Dragon and will we ever get a future will we ever in the future get a complete guide for the writing system? So uh at present there are three hundred and ninety five glyphs. Um, but that's not going to be the end of it. Um, I, I really wanted to aim for like between 500 and 700. Um, and so I think I'll get there one day. Um, and, you know, and the nice thing about the way that this works is like it doesn't matter if, say, a word is it would be spelled with one glyph that I create later that, and it was just spelled phonetically in episode one because the spelling system is not regular which is really important. That was something I found so fascinating about um, uh, both learning, studying Middle Egyptian, but also like looking at like Chaucer's work, for example, just like when spelling systems weren't standard, like people would just spell things different ways. Like the same person would spell the same word different ways in the same document. And so it's not a nightmare if something is spelled one way in season one and another way in season five. It's just, you know, that's that's just the, the way evolution it works. of language. Yeah. Um, and just the like the choice of the writer, which is something that is uh, that it's, it's it's something that we don't really have like in modern days because spelling systems are pretty fixed. You know, if you're if you're doing something that it's it's seen as divergent um, and it's not really just like free choice. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know, it's just simple stuff. Like imagine you like you know one thing in English we can spell gray either with an e or an a. That's just one little thing where we could just make the choice. And it's like, it's a weird kind of personal choice. Like someday, like you have to confront yourself with how am I going to spell this? You know? <laughs> I'm literally thinking about it right now. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you may change over the course of your life. You may change uh, at the time of day. Who are you it's texting? Just kind of, yeah. Like that kind it, of thing. Yeah. It's just kind of a, a thing, you know? Um, now imagine like if that were exploded to the entire spelling system, you know? Suddenly it's like. To everything. Yeah. And that's just like, you know, yeah. I don't want to imagine that. <laughs> I, I lost a spelling bee when I was a kid for spelling valor the the English way. You probably lost it, Jesse. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I probably did. I spelled it uh, V-A-L-O-U-R. Oh, Valour. But it's right, That'll though. That'll stick with yeah. you. It's right, right? In Canada, it is. Come on now. <laughs> I, I thought we were friends. <laughs> you know it's right, right? V-A-L-O, it's in the dictionary. Yeah. 
I immediately went and found the dictionary. Anyway, it's the same thing. You would have fit right in in 1474. Mm -hmm. I'm done with this. Let's move on to someone's question. Here's here's one that'll butter you up. Um, From Asha, not Yara. When was the first time you heard someone speak a language you created? Your favorite time? I was in the room when he heard a Danny. This is from Asha. I was in the room when he heard a Danny monologue being performed at Ice and Fire Con. Oh, it yeah. was amazing to be there in that moment and see his excitement. Tell us about that. That was really cool. That, that was sounds really, awesome. Yeah. I mean, the first time, of course, was at the premiere for for Game of Thrones because I was I was at the premiere for season one. Um, Someone spoke Dothraki there? In the first episode. Oh, oh yeah. did, did did she mean in like at Ice and Fire Con? Someone performed that, like yeah, that yeah, yeah. No, that was that was cool. Uh, but is that what the the question meant? Like, yeah, your favorite time that you saw someone speaking your language, probably like, did, so, so like the first did time. Did you mean on screen or like or just in general? Like, I think no, in or general like, or in real life. I think either would probably the first time okay. you heard someone speak his language. You well, know, yeah. you can answer this any way you want. Right actually, on. well, this is what we'll do. Okay, so at Ice and Fire Con, I happened to be. I don't know. Uh, why I did this because like I was the one that that did this but like I scheduled my book signing at a time where there was a big like cosplay event Mm -hmm. in the other room so of course nobody came (laughs) but like also my signing was directly adjacent to this room which only had one of those hotel walls Mm -hmm. yeah I remember that yeah yeah and so like um, I I could just you know hear everything going on and then suddenly I hear somebody speaking like Valerian I'm like oh my god what is that what is that and so I get up and there because like there was a little back door Mm -hmm. between the two rooms like where there was a partition in the wall and so I go and listen to that and I'm like, damn, You're crying. You're damn, listen to that, face. listen to that. That's so nice. That's <laughs> your shining, but it's a happy ending. Yeah. You know, actually one time that I heard somebody, so this is totally different, but you were there too. Um, you were there when somebody came and was straight up speaking tree get a sign to me. And oh, yeah. I did not even recognize it. That's from the 100 for everybody that doesn't uh, know Yeah, that. it's the language I created for the 100. So uh, Zach... Uh, Zach put me up because we were doing a thing for Shake Shack. Mm-hmm. Uh, I named a Valyrian. Do you remember what was on the burger. front? Uh, Rolizo Rakion. That's it. I was going to say that. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I wore that to Shake Shack one time, and this guy goes, Wow, you love Shake Shack. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, This is the only shirt that fits me right now. <laughs> Man. Anyway, so like we were all going to get like free burgers. And so we invited um, uh, this girl whose name is uh, Trigzetta on. Um, Tumblr? On on t- uh, no, not on Tumblr, on um, Instagram. Okay. And and you know she met up with us and she was speaking. Trey got a sign to me and I was like, shit. <laughs> yeah. First of all, it was really fast because she was really good and she is really good, but also she has developed her own unique uh, accent. Mm-hmm. Whoa. And, and like intonational phrasing for it, mm-hmm. and so like it just didn't. It didn't click in my brain, and it didn't click in my brain that that was tree get a slang. And so, I, and so, I, like, I, w- I was really embarrassed because, like, you know, she was meeting me for the first time, and it was a really big deal. And I'm like, you really blew I'm it. Like, what'd you say? <laughs> yeah, I completely blew it. I was just I was very embarrassed by that. But um, she was so cool. Like, she, I think she, she can straight up speak tree get a slang, which is awesome. Um, but now she is, uh, in fact, trying to do Valerian. Mm-hmm. Oh, and wow. And so, yeah, she's got a new Instagram, and it's uh, Valeria, Valeria, uh, Valerio Munya, I believe, Valerio Munya, uh, Valerian's mother. So, um, 
you you can look for her there, and she's learning uh, Valerian using Duolingo, and yeah, going to help people out because like she does videos about. She like did all of these videos like breaking down Trigeta slang, all of the like every line from every episode. She's got a video up is really cool. So yeah, now she's doing Valerian. It's got to be a wild experience because language is such a living and breathing thing. A wild experience to see and hear someone put their own spin on something that came out of your brain and they've got their own accent and their own flair and their own desire behind what they're saying. That's got to be a pretty wild experience. It's really strange. It's like going to an event, like say a work function, and you see somebody there that you don't know who's very obviously wearing your clothes mm. <laughs> like out of your like not just like they have the same clothes like they went to your house and they took your clothes Ugh. and they're wearing them and they don't quite fit mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um that's what the experience that's is such unless an they're jacob anderson then they fit oh so good <laughs> oh you guys are the same size baby <laughs> no 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 with jacob anderson it's like he puts on my clothes and it's like <gasps> Oh, that's what that's supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a good metaphor. <laughs> oh my god, it's so nice. He really did do a good job. That thing we were watching earlier, I was I was so pulled in, and I hope I hope that there's some more like that in Hot D, where the dialogue lasts that long. It was yeah. just just like I said. I don't know what it is. That it just it's especially when it's something that I don't recognize from the world that we live in. Yeah. I'm not biased against any other languages in this world, but there's just something about something that's so unrecognizable where you're just like, what is going on on this screen? They sound so serious right now. Yeah, he's the best. Uh, he's still the best. But like he's with, uh, it's him and three other actors um, that I consider to be absolutely superior. So Jacob Anderson is still, I think, the best. And then, you know, but also up there was this day player on Defiance named Hannah Cheeseman, who was incredible, who just did cast it then like nothing. And then um, uh, Lucy Fry, who uh, was on Bright, played the elven girl, did everything perfectly without like seemingly any practice. It was incredible. Um, and then uh, Charlie Murphy on Halo. I'm so glad everybody's kind of seen more. The hardest, like it's the second hardest language to pronounce that I've created. Um, you know, like she's <laughs> uh, she's doing words like you know, uh, you know, tungagomo uh, and uh, yeah, the uh, covenant it? language is crazy. Yeah, and uh, like okogaha. It, it's like. And it's the stuff you like. It. Let's be honest. You like that stuff. I love it. She does it so well. It's nuts, man. I actually just had a, a coaching session with her yesterday, and like she just ran through the lines. She did every single one. Every single one was perfect because that's how good she is. So, anyway, did you watch that? Um, what the Halo show? Did you watch it? I watch everything I work on, sir. Oh yeah, I, almost everything. There's one thing I won't watch. <laughs> What's that? I'm not gonna tell you. <laughs> had a not good experience on that one. <laughs> um, okay, here's a question from East Coast Chase. What's the hardest part of working in the existing Valerian words into the language? What do you mean? What's the hardest part of working in the existing Valerian words into the language? Like probably think things like Dracarys that are written in canon. Oh. It's, I mean, a, it's a basic, it's from the beginning yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. but it's good to remember. Yeah, that wasn't, that. the truth Truth be told, that wasn't hard at all because there was, you know, Dracarys, right? There was Valonkar, 
which uh, cursed us with a Q. I hmm. mean, don't spell Q without you <laughs> if you don't want it, man. Um, but then other than that, there was just uh, Valar Morghulis and Valar Zohairis. And, and those two phrases really helped me build the, the, the main part of the language. It helped me build out the verbal system. It helped me build out the noun system. And then other than that, there were a bunch of names which just helped flesh out what the nominal declensions were going to be. So, I mean, it was nothing. Of course, the nominal declensions. Yeah, but like, no, seriously, (laughs) though, like it was nothing. It was was great because there there really wasn't very much. So it it was super easy. And, of course, that's the case with all of George R. R. Martin's stuff because the way that he – he doesn't create languages, but the way that he does it, the way that he sets about it, is systematic in a way that's very helpful for a language creator who's building on it afterwards. But, yeah, like other than that – there really weren't other Valerian words. There were words that were clearly Valerianate or descended from Valerian. Like I came up with the etymology for Sivas. Did you know that? No way, dude. Oh, yeah. Go so, on. So Sivas is, of course, I mean, it doesn't look Valerian at all. It's modern, right? But what it comes from is the word for strategy. No way. Yeah. In what language? Uh, in High Valerian. Oh, no. Okay. So it's like in High Valerian, it's um, there is uh, what, what is the word? It's like kivakion uh, or something like that. Kivakion, um, and then the idea is that whatever when this became the word Sybas, it came from one of the three cities. And so basically, you know, when I'm fleshing, if I'm fleshing out one of those three cities languages, that tells me what the sound changes were. Right, going from High Valyrian to that language, <laughs> that you know it starts with this in High Valyrian, yeah. but then becomes Sybas here. So right. it's like you know what happened, mm-hmm. right? What made you want to do that? Oh man, because I I knew that like that was it was a really cool thing, and you know what it reminded me of like the the word for chess in many languages uh, actually comes from the same word as checkmate. Mm. Oh, so, so that's why it's Shakhmatoy in in uh, in Russian. Uh, which comes from a really old expression that means the king has fallen. Um, and so it was like, that was that was what I was trying to aim for, where it's like, by the time it gets to Sybest, you don't even know what it refers to anymore, but it actually referred to something way, way, way back when. Do you think that Tolkien did that too, with the way that he created Elvish, that he wrote the books maybe? And it did similar to Martin where it all makes sense and I put the right structure and now let's flesh it out. Oh no, he created the languages first. He created it first. Yeah. Before yeah. he wrote the the lore? Absolutely. Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. How do you feel about that? Good. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, that that's the thing. Like he was a language creator first. He's, he's he got to be created, like one of your gods, right? Uh, well, he's he's considered the godfather father Father-y. of modern of modern conlanging, sorry. But um like uh he um but yeah, he like he created he 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 was a language creator first. He created the books because he wanted a place for his languages to be spoken. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> I had that I had that book when I was a kid, the Elvish Handbook. Oh, there you go. I did not do much with it, but I like to look at it. That's pretty you, cool. you really think that that's a thing that he created the books to be a vehicle for that? For yeah, this, no, this is, this is not me like making this up, right? But or, do you really believe it? Though? Known. Do you believe it though? Yes. Damn. <laughs> that's pretty dank. As far as a creator is concerned, like you're coming from a different set of circumstances if that's what you're pushing out to the world. Yeah. 
So what are you trying to do with all this? Like I'm, I'm having fun, man. Okay. Look, like you know, you know what I'm saying. Like this is a, it's a really, it's really cool. Like this world that George R. R. Martin has created because there's so much linguistic diversity in it, which is not something that you see for fantasy. Like it never happens, uh, and especially that it's done like well and actually set up well. And so I just think that's really cool. And, you know, it's nice to be able to kind of flesh out a corner of it, you know. I'd love to flesh out as much as I can. Uh, I'm probably not going to be able to do all of it. And, you know, maybe one day somebody else will pick up on it and, and do more with it. Um, but it's just cool to ha to be a part of it. It's cool to, to be a part of something where it's like the world-building repays the effort that you put in because um, I may or may not have been involved in projects where that's not the case. <laughs> Can't either confirm nor deny. So do you think we're going to get more GOT TV shows other oh, than Haunting? Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, like, I, I'm not saying that with insider information. I'm just saying that with... Yeah, I'm just looking around, you know, seeing mm -hmm. seeing how things are going, um, and seeing that the response that House of the Dragon has got. I think that I think that what this tells HBO is that they did the right thing, you know, and so that they're going to move forward in in roughly the same way. Um, and so, yeah, I fully expect for there to be more shows. Um, I still would love, and I know I said this before, I still would love to see a sequel show. That's just Arya exploring the world. Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. I think that would be cool, yeah, I, and I think it should. Way. I think it should be like Star Trek, um, you know, but just in the GOT universe. I think it would be neat. She goes down to the depths of her or the, the deck of her ship, and she goes T Earl Grey hot. <laughs> Someone glass candles into her. Can you tell us your favorite House of the Dragon episode? Number the 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 one that jumps out to me is seven. That's the one okay. that I so seven is what we got to look out for. I yeah, and I hope that I'm remembering the number correctly because um, that was uh, the interesting thing was I just got a huge big roll of all the dialogue from all the episodes, but I'm pretty sure that it was it was 107. So 107 has got more more of you in it, I think. So and and 109 does. Gosh, it was either like yeah yeah. There's there's a lot. There's stuff coming basically. There's stuff. The coming. best is yet to come. I heard. That's, That's what, what I was told. told. That's what I was told. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So, at what point in Hot D did you maybe turn to whoever you're watching with, or just inside of yourself, and go, "Yes, all right." It's like maybe we're doing this again. Has that happened to you yet? Are you there yet? Do you feel like it's gotten to that point yet? I am feeling cautiously optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, um, this, this could be, this could be really good. This could be really good. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Thanks, David, for real, for coming on for our, our 500th episode, 500 episode, episode <laughs> of Game of Thrones. I'm gonna try to say words right, especially when you're here. You must be really judgmental and people speak weirdly around you sometimes. Only you. <laughs> That's what that is. I expect That's why I feel every so single one of your words to be perfect. You and only you. Oh, I'll you take have that to, attention well. You have to uphold the legacy of Brock Mansion. <laughs> if Brock Mansion were here, I feel like we would we would know exactly what to say. We would make him so proud. And the fact that he's not here, I just hope he doesn't listen. Brock, I love you. <laughs> he's just up there like Mufasa in the clouds. I'm proud Remember of you. Remember Brock. <laughs> and then it says. 
sex still. (laughs) (laughs) Your insight into and just your enthusiasm about language in general is very exciting to me. So I always love when we get to sit down and have a conversation. So thanks for joining us in person. It's even fun too. I absolutely love being on your podcast, but it, I really counted as special that I got to be on this one. So thank you so much. Oh, dude, that that's awesome. Uh, let's not say anything else. We love all of you that are listening. David, I love you too. And we'll see you on the next episode. And here's to 500 more, everybody, and George and HBO. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>